This is The Road to Wholeness. All right, Ronald, welcome everybody to The Road to Wholeness. My name is Josh Hawk, and I get the pleasure of introducing today a new friend of mine, Dr. Gary Thomas, and he is a writer in residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and he has written uh, so many books, but one of my favorites is a book called Cherish that he wrote that's really affected my uh, my wife's marriage and sacred marriage also, which has over a million copies sold. Man, that, that that's just amazing. Gary, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's great to be with you again, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, well, I know we had a great time on the TV show uh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago where we got to to, to meet there. And um, man, it's just so great that I get to do things like this because there's sometimes where, you know, I, I've read a lot of your stuff for years and, you know, some people are like, don't meet your heroes, you know? And and for me, it was just so great just to to be able to to interact with you um, a couple of weeks ago and now to have you on the podcast. And, and you've just spoken so much into my life over the years. I just want to say again, just thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about today, um, you got this new book out called Married Sex that's getting ready to come out. And I, I want to hit a, a little bit on Cherish as well, too, because I know that was very imp- impactful for my wife and I. But, you know, we're, we're on the show, The Road to Wholeness. So why does wholeness really matter when it comes to sex and especially sex and marriage? Yeah. Well, God made us as sexual beings. It's a big issue in the New Testament, according to the Apostle Paul. But we know that marriage doesn't really solve anything in regards to sexual issues. It just gives us the arena to express ourselves sexually in a, in a whole and healthy way. But we still have to learn. We still have to grow. There's still things that we have to do to, to get the full benefit out of it. And so I wrote it with Deborah Falada. She's a licensed counselor. And the thinking was, how do we bring theological truth and then psychological truth how do we deal with practical examples from couples helpful advice so really from a counselor's perspective a spiritual writer perspective we just wanted to bring it all together just to give a book for christian couples to understand this is how you can take your sexual relationship to the next level why it matters how to get over the things that are holding you back how to anticipate problems in the future and how to enjoy even better sex in the present yeah, I, I think that's amazing, you know, better sex in the presence, because I, I, I think for a, a lot of Christians, too, um, you know, sex has just been so, like, whatever from the world, right? You, yes. you know what I mean? Like, we have all of these pictures and images, whether it be from pornography or whether it be from soft pornography and a lot of um, just advertisements right. and movies and all these other things. And so, so how did you guys go about that of, of really going, okay, let's strip off what we see from, you know, the movies and television and what we've grown up to in romance novels and, and pornography and all that to, to get to, to what the heart of married sex really is. Yeah. It's interesting. We did a conference here in, in Houston at a church and they had a time for people writing their questions and they were very explicit questions. Yeah. Can a couple do this? And this, the pastors are looking at me or, are you okay to answer this? And, and my response was, if they can't ask this in a church, Josh, where are they going to go to get them answered? Yes. And, and I think you're, the, the premise behind your question really is the church has sort of just pulled back and said, well, just go out in the world. And we don't want to do that. And so what we wanted to do was, let's go to scripture. 
And it was amazing to me how the Bible doesn't just condone sexuality. It, it blesses it. It's enthusiastic about it. The, the one book in the Bible about sex is called the Song of Songs, meaning there's no other song like it. That's an ancient yeah. Near Eastern phrase, reminiscent of God being called the King of Kings, exalted above all. And so here, talking about human experience, it's saying that there's no other song quite like this song. And then a book that elevates a woman's pleasure in sexuality in the very second verse, a, a, a book that talks about how a man is, is energized and, and more engaged in life uh, because he's sexually fulfilled in the ninth verse. And then going on just depictions of how we can increase our enjoyment and how God celebrates our participation in this enjoyment within marriage. And so we really wanted to ground it in scripture to deal with those that have that religious baggage, spiritual or theological baggage, thinking, can this really be holy? Or could this really be a, isn't there a little bit of lust involved in it? And then Deborah really helped people for wholeness, realizing that a lot of times it's not theological, it's psychological, mm -hmm. whether abuse, whether it's messages from the purity movement that might've been well-intentioned, but really can mess some people up. Um, whether it's my pleasure doesn't matter. And so your, your, your relationship is getting unbalanced or really just trying to take down those things, the, the roadblocks that keep people from the sexual intimacy that God would have them enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge because I, I think one of the, the, the messages of wholeness when it comes to sex too, is that, like you said, God does celebrate it. God, God wants us to have our best sex ever. And, and I know in me just reading through the book, that was one of the things that I thought was amazing because even some of the, the, the practical tips um, that, that you guys gave in, okay, for instance, for men out there that are um, watching this or listening to this, it, it, it's like, you know, the, the, the old adage of um, men are microwaves and women are crockpots, right? And so, but one of the things that I loved is that you practically talked about how just massaging your wife um, and, 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 and before a sexual encounter or whatever that is, like, like that, that really does make a huge difference. And, and, and I, I just thought that was amazing how that you even went into some of the, 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 the practicals of some of those things too, to yeah. help us have the best sex ever like God wants us to. Yeah. Well, that God created us. He, yes. he created our bodies for sexual pleasure. And, and, and so often, Josh, younger couples and, and, and sometimes middle-aged and older couples think of sex as the actual act of penetration. I don't know how explicit I can get on this program, so I'm trying to stay <laughs> within your rating. But when you mention the massage, for instance, this is a great tip for guys. A woman's skin is often 10 times more sensitive than a man's skin. Why do women like back rubs so much? Why do women like foot rubs so much? Well, you know what? There's, there's a part of their brain that lights up when you rub their feet that's right next to the same thing for genital sensation. So wow. there, there are a lot of things that you just understand like, oh, okay, something's going on here. And then what you may be referring to too, that's this just amazing. Only God could create something like this. When you're doing that touch, you're also feeling pleasure by giving that touch. Mm. So in the act of giving, you're also receiving. Um, and we have a whole chapter called the full five on how do you bring the senses into play? If you're talking about monogamy, which is the only biblical form of sex, right? 
one of the ways to really make every experience different and special is to think more intentionally about all five senses. Mm. And, and so when you put them into play, um, then your brain fires off in different ways. It's basic neuroscience, but it's also scriptural. My point is that the song of songs elevates every sense before every section. I have like touch, smell, taste, sight, sound. It's always, this is the song of songs celebrated. It's God's yes. word saying, hey, touch is really good. Sound yes. is wonderful. Smell is a big part of the sexual experience. Touch, even taste. That These, these things, God gave us the manual 3,000 years ago. I just don't think we've read it carefully enough. And and, and like you, when, when I really got into it, and even some of the Hebrew behind it, it, it was so amazing and delightful and surprising and freeing that yes. this is a good thing God has created for husbands and wives. Yes. I love that word freeing because I, yeah. I, I think that's where um, a, a lot of couples can get stuck when they, they, they don't feel free in their sex lives. Um, and, and, and I think it's interesting too, that, you know, most people, when they think sex, they think sex in the city, or they think these movies of, of all these single people out there living it up, having their best sex lives ever. And, and the statistics really say the opposite, right? Absolutely. They, they, they yeah. tell us that, that the happiest, most fulfilled individuals when it comes to sex is people that have been in a married male female relationship for you know 10 15 years right i mean is, is, it's it's even longer that? than that josh I've had a number of sexual therapists that have said um that 20 years is about the date where a couple reaches its 20. sexual wow. prime one researcher explained that there's a difference between genital prime and sexual prime by genital prime it means when your body is able to perform and certainly when you're younger you would say in your 20s Maybe your physical prowess and you're, you're a little more limber and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but relationally, because sex is so multifaceted, it's emotional, it's spiritual, and it's physical. I mean, there are physical mm -hmm. things you need to learn that really for a couple to hit their stride, not to hit their stride. You have much satisfying sex before that. But right. to, to really reach their peak can often be up to 20 years, wow. which the encouragement is for a lot of those couples out there. Um, if you feel like your sex life has kind of been on the wane, you could say, you know what? Our best days ahead of us are ahead of us, sexually speaking. Yes. It, it, with, with a little bit of thought and intention and instruction, it can be much better than it was yes. the first couple of years of our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people in marital counseling that I do. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, Hey, the, 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 your, your, your first time, maybe your worst time actually, you know, <laughs> and, um, it's going to get better. You know, you've got yeah. the rest of your life to practice this, you know, but I, but I think a lot of the, the things that I would want to do is first of all, hand somebody your book, married sex and be able to go, Hey, this is like such an, um, this right here will give you so much freedom. Like you were talking about, cause it, it has a lot of answers that you are, you know, questioning. So, right. you know, like, like, for instance, Gary, I know even in the book, you guys talk about oral sex. Is oral sex okay? Is oral sex not okay? You know, I, I mean, what were some of your findings and some of those things too, and some of those type of taboo yeah. types of types of issues? Yeah, well, the Bible seems to, I mean, and then look, Hebrew scholars are going to disagree about this a, a, a little bit, but in yeah. the Song of Songs, there's evidence that oral sex is being depicted. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for if people say, well, where's that about the guy? Apples are often a symbol in that poetry for male genitalia. So when you look at that, right, you're oh, and it seems like he's doing it with, with her. There's certainly no biblical prohibition, but but I think again, Jazz, we want to be careful because there'd be a lot of re- if if somebody has a theological problem with it, I think you can go into scripture. We could have a great discussion, and people say, oh, okay. But often it's not that. There might be a personal revulsion because of something that happened to him in the past. Deborah as a counselor helps him deal with that. It might just be it takes time to become more familiar with each other. Deborah explains to couples why she says as you become more attuned to each other sexually, and sometimes as you get a little more heated up, that's when you can start to add new elements into Mm -hmm. your relationship. But but this is the kind of thing where we try to answer it because – as you and I said before this, if people can't ask this of pastors and Christian counselors, where can they get an answer? Now, Deborah and I just come from the background where where scripture doesn't prohibit, we're pretty open saying, well, we don't feel like we could put a restriction as well. Where scripture does say, don't go past this line, then I think we need to be very careful. But we do think generally in a monogamous marriage, when it's just between two people, mutually pleasurable, always consensual, neither partner feeling demeaned or dishonored, there is tremendous freedom in scripture for what we can yeah. enjoy. Yeah, I think that's huge, just what you said there, because there, there, there are some people out there that might be listening or watching and they have went through trauma and, yeah. and, and they have been through um, uh, some type of abuse sexually, or maybe they were abused as a child or, or, or in college or, or whatever that looks like, you know, and, 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 and how does your um, writing and, and, and just your teaching um, on, on sex, how, how does it help those types of people? What what yeah. answers are you guys giving them? In, in, well, in, in, Deborah yeah. has a great chapter called "Going Backward to Go Forward," that we have to go back to those issues. This is right up here, Josh. That's why I thought you about how you have to deal with the past issues so you can yeah. be set free in the present to lay down new memories in the future. In the end, the goal is you help take away hurtful memories from the past by laying down positive memory memories in the present which gives you more hope for the future. Mm. That doesn't mean you can just have great sex and you forget about the past. You might have to do some therapeutic work to deal with the shame, to deal with the hurt, to deal with the disgust. It depends on what's causing the the dissonance with not being able to really enjoy sexual innocence. But once you do that, the goal is, okay, how then do I retrain my mind and sometimes my body and, you know, to, to say, okay, now, this is holy, this is good, this is different context. How can I learn to enjoy? And it, it might be slow, it might take time, but this is what I love about a lifelong marriage. You've got a long time, presumably, right. to really figure this out together in a safe place. Yes. My marriage isn't dependent on one sexual performance. I don't have to worry about being shamed. I don't have to worry about being ridiculed. I don't have to worry about, man, if this doesn't go well this time, is she going to go out on the next date with me? You know, she's right. going to wake up with me and she's going to go bed with me the next night. So yeah. um, it really is the place, you know, Dr. David Schnarch is a uh, well-known Chris, uh, sexual therapist. He, he died within the last year, but he was really one of the leading researchers and writers on this. And he's convinced that most sexual issues are rooted 
and anxiety. Mm. That if we could just embrace peace, uh, it, it, so many of the issues he said, and look, I'm, I'm not trying to treat anybody saying this is a simplified statement, but issues like premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction for guys, sometimes not always vaginismus for women, um, guys unable to uh, orgasm or whatnot, or sometimes women as well. A lot of that, not always, I'm not a doctor here, but a right. lot of that can be directly related to anxiety. And so mm. a healthy marriage where grace is a big part of it, you're accepting each other, you forgive each other, you love each other, you're growing toward the Lord is really the most fertile soil to face those anxieties down and to then be set free to experience sexual pleasure like maybe you never have before. Those one night stands can be athletic, but the reality and the limitation of that is that we stress throughout no two human brains and no two human bodies are alike. Right. What works for five women may not work for the sixth woman and, and, and same thing with guys. And so to really get sex as it functions on all its levels, not just physically so that there's a release, but relationally, there's that soul connection and even spiritually marriage is the only place where that can happen. Yeah. Wow. That, 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 that's so beautiful. And I, and I think it's so needed, uh, especially in this day and age where it does seem like marriage isn't valued in the, the way that it used to be. There's so many people that are waiting later and later and later to get married um, because of just societal pressures or just, you know, they don't want to end up like their parents or, or, or whatever that is. Um, and, and, and I think it's so amazing for us to, to, to be able to, to have somebody like you having a voice going, man, you know, this is really the best context for where sex yeah. is supposed to be. The, so. the old adage that I just hate is that marriage is where sex goes to die. Yes. What we're trying to say in married sex, marriage is where sex goes to be resurrected. Yes. I, I'm hesitant to use that because hopefully there yeah. wasn't sexual contact before marriage, but it's, you could say it, it's where it goes to be celebrated, to be brought yes. back to life, to be- Love that. Um, focus on on its best so if somebody does have a hurt past and and you know what it doesn't have to be abuse i think sex outside of marriage does damage us in a lot of ways we may not realize it but um it it, it can and so you know that's the thing people say the purity movement has some negative messages which is true but sexual abandonment before marriage also does its own right. damage so if there's damage in the past, I do think it's appropriate to say marriage is where sex goes to be resurrected yeah. and healed. Yeah, that is so good. That's so good. What would some of your advice be for maybe uh, a married couple that has been married for years? And, you know, I, I, I think what, what you said uh, to me a couple of weeks ago was that if you're having sex like three to four times a week, like, man, that, that's really pretty much, that's awesome, actually. And, and that's a pretty good average. But, but, but what if somebody's like, man, I haven't had sex with my spouse like in a month or, or it, it, it's like one time a week, if that, or once every yeah. other week, like, like what are some of the things that, that you would say and to give them advice? Yeah, in my studies for this book, just because people are always wondering, yeah. Um, it's hard to find right statistics. They're self-reported, our people being honest. But the best, the most reliable I've seen, and I'm talking about a, I'm quoting a PhD, who it's really his career to study this. He thinks it's about um 
about 63 times a year. Uh, so, or, or, or 62. So basically once a week and then an occasional holiday, you, you, you have it a little bit more. Um, and so that, that's about what's average. Um, I, I would say three things really for a couple that's been married for a while and feels like things are just kind of, they're not bad, but they're just kind of, you know, ho-hum. Uh, we, we have a chapter called Sacred Simmering. It, it's a common phrase. Simmering is a common phrase amongst sex therapists today. The thinking is that it's hard to go from ice cold to red hot. And on days that you plan to have sex, if you can try to get to lukewarm, it's much easier than not to just blow it off. And I use two examples, which is just amazing to me. Again, scripture predating sexual therapy by 3000 years in the Song of Songs, where literally the wife is demonstrating how to sexually simmer for her husband. And then later the husband is sexually simmering for his wife. They're literally thinking about the sexually desirable parts of each other's bodies. Yeah. And, and Josh, I think with guys sometimes, because sometimes guys can't have the lower libido, we, we think that thinking sexual thoughts about our wife must be lustful. And, and that's not the case at all. It's not only allowed in the Bible, it's celebrated and celebrated. recommended yes. that a husband to get himself in the mood thinks about his, the favorite parts of his wife. Uh, whether it's her back, whether it's her legs, whether it's the way her hair goes over her shoulders, whatever does it for you. Guys, that's not lustful. It's not shameful. God gave you a mind to be sexually enthralled by your wife. Yes. Not other women, not with pornography, not with erotica, but, but thinking on your wife. And wives can do the same thing toward their husband. And for them, they may not just be thinking about the physical parts of their husband, although the wife in Song of Songs does that, but relationally, what they appreciate about him and and whatnot, whatever helps get you in the mood. One wife described how, and, and music can do wonders in the bedroom. A lot of couples don't take advantage of it, but it does neurological things where it wakes up your brain and really can expand the experience. But she has this playlist when she knows she and her husband can have sex that night of songs that she has literally orgasmed to. Mm. And it reminds her and it puts her in the mood and the kids think she's just fixing mac macaroni and cheese. Yeah, <laughs> she's thinking of fixing something, heating something else up <laughs> entirely. But it's kind of it. fun because it's their yes. secret. They know yeah. this; nobody yeah. else does. So I, I would say, really consider the process of simmering because it's just hard to go from ice cold to red hot. The second thing is to use the five senses. We've talked about that a little bit, but right. what I said before, let me go back to. Don't just think of it as the point of penetration. That's not sex. Think of it as the longer journey. Mm. We talked to a couple, Kyle and Abby, where he, he can last a long time. And he, when they were, before they had kids, they liked to make use of it. And now they have four kids and time is short and they're tired. And they talked about how they would always have these quickies. The kids might be watching television and the wife would say, hey, turn up the television. We got 10 minutes and they would go upstairs. And, and she explained, I'm getting pawed all day long by my kids. If I can get my release, she said, I'm, I'm happy if I can do that in 10 minutes. But then they notice something. And, and this, again, goes along with your program about wholeness. They soon realize that always existing on quickies is sort of like always feeding yourself with fast food. Mm. It stills the immediate hunger, but it's not healthy. I mean, wow. you need the yes. occasional gourmet experiences. Yes. And so it's slow down yeah experience what it's like dining. 
yeah, to be to be sensual with each other. Guys, explore why your wife's skin is more sensitive than your own. Try to be present, mindful so that you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're smelling what's going on. You might even be be tasting, but you're you're getting used to each other's bodies. You're enjoying the journey and yeah. and wives you, you you can help guide your husband's hand. You could show him what this yes. none of this is this is all holy, sacred things to do in the privacy of your bedroom, yes. um, in your marriage. And so just recognize that while the orgasm is great, which is what a lot of couples focus on, for a guy, if I remember this right, it's like four to six seconds. For women, it's like nine to 11. So women get twice as much as guys on average, but still, it's not very long. And yeah. so don't have the focus on that one reflex. Say, let's enjoy. The whole journey and that's sort of like the cherry on top which is yes. fine but it's not the main dish and yeah. the senses can help us do that and then the final one um about that deborah and i put together a chapter called choose your own adventure and it was how so many couples just fall into the same positions because we don't talk about it we don't think about it you're just in bed you start kissing and it happens and we just tried to help couples explore how every different position speaks of a different ambiance and mm. element and relational connection. Sometimes mm. it can be fun. Sometimes mm. it can be athletic. Sometimes it can be sensual. Sometimes it can be intense. But it's just recognizing, okay, you can have such different kinds of sex with the same person in the same bed for years on end without really repeating yourself. Yes. Because every position, I you know, eye to eye, are you close? Is it more athletic? Is it just about fun? Is it just about getting a relief? All of these things, marriage has room for all of them. And you might have a couple positions that are your favorite, and that's fine. There are no shoulds in this book. It's really more about invitations to think about, okay, this is one of the ways you spice it up to say, wow, this this feels different. And I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I love the the fact, again, it, it goes back to you just giving people permission to actually explore and to actually yeah. like have a good, fun, but yet holy, intimate, respectful, sacred, you know, um, sense about sex, but also not taking themselves so seriously and being able to, to, to really just have fun. And, and, and what I love about it too, is it really is teaching the, the enjoyment and the, the, the pleasure of sex, because, um, one of the things that, that we talked about, um, before too, is that especially for, for, for guys, uh, just the very fact of like, the more you really have sex with your wife, you develop eyes only yes. for your wife, right? right. Like, right. like, talk to me about that. Cause you, you were yeah. saying that one time to me and, and I just thought that was so amazing. It's, it's related to a neurochemical. Technically it's called the neuropeptide called oxytocin. A lot of people have heard of it. It's called mm -hmm. the cuddle chemical, creates feelings of bonding and connection. Women tend to have much more of it than men. It varies each man and woman, but women tend to have more. But one of the other things they found that it does that is just fascinating. I mean, this is God is that when I'm having oxytocin flood my brain, the woman I'm with looks more attractive to me than any other woman in the world. And other women comparatively are looking less attractive. So if I'm being mentally faithful, 100%, you're not looking at porn, you're not sexualizing other women, um, you're not dwelling on it, you can, you can appreciate a beautiful woman, that's not lust. The root word of lust 
um, has a sense of covetousness to it. So it's not like you have to pretend somebody isn't beautiful, but most guys know, and I think most women know there's a difference between appreciating a beautiful person and that sense of wanting to consume or take the next step. Mm -hmm. So if you put that aside and you're having regular sexual relations with your wife, you're literally training your brain to find her to be the most beautiful woman in the world. And what we try to tell wives is just receive this. Yeah, It's hard for them to believe it because women are more prone to compare themselves mm. and think, well, this part of my body isn't right, or that part of my body isn't right. Or what if this part doesn't measure up to what society says it would look like? And I said, you know what? Who cares what society thinks? In the sacred enclave of your bedroom, your husband is delighting in you. Let yourself be cherished. Wow. Let yourself be adored. Let yourself honestly be in that sphere, the most beautiful woman in the world to the only man who can see you that way. Yes. Enjoying those things in, in this sense of privacy. Um, nobody else knows, but your husband does, and he delights yes. in you. And now, again, Deborah has a very helpful section because sometimes it's hard for women. Okay, I know I want that, but I've got my own body issues. How do you get over them? How do you get comfortable being naked around your spouse or even letting there be even low lighting in the background? It's not about tonight, Josh, that they just go out and do it or guys just ask their wives to do it. We recognize there sometimes needs to be psychological and spiritual healing right. for a couple to get that naked with each other yes. psychologically and physically. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where I want to encourage you if you are listening to this and 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 you're just like, man, there is a block there. I want to encourage you to go to a counselor. I want to encourage you to to get the help that you need because this is something that could be um really healing and beneficial beneficial to your wholeness as well too is being able to step into what we're talking about here, which is really the best sex ever that God did design between a husband and a wife. And, and, and I think that even emotionally, um, you know, having good sex is even proven to help you get out of depression and help you get out of anxiety and all of these things. And so I really want to, I really want to encourage you to, you know, really get the help that you need and then begin to start pursuing your spouse again, um, in some amazing ways. So how do you think that would that that would help people? Well, he, he, it depends, you know, our, our background. If I get a flat tire, I can fix a flat tire. If my engine blows up, I've got to go to a mechanic. Mm -hmm. So if somebody has a sexual past where you got a little bit too close with a former boyfriend or girlfriend, you can usually get forgiveness and deal with that. Certainly, if there's abuse in your background, I would say if there was addiction in your background, if there were real issues that just wound who you are in your spirit. That's where I think you need professional counseling yeah. to, to get free. And I stress the need and the good of doing this because you don't pay for past sin by suffering in the present sexually. Yes. We, we, our sins are paid for by what Jesus did, not for what we suffer now. And I also, I want to stress for some, it's not their sin. They were sinned against. Right. And then you say, well, I don't want someone's sin against me to keep me from enjoying what God created me to enjoy in the present and the future. So yeah. whether it's something you've done or something that's been done to you, it's finding that freedom because of the wonderful message, I believe, of Christianity, where yes. we are forgiven, redeemed, and made new. There is no other faith 
like this that can help us heal in every way, including sexually. Yes. Wow. That's so good. Well, Gary, I want to wrap it up with this last question. If you were to sit down in a coffee shop with someone and, and they were to, to say, okay, I need your help with sexual wholeness. What would be your one minute to two minute answer to them? Yeah. Well, I'd have to ask questions. It'd be hard for me to do it in 120 <laughs> seconds. But basically, I'd find out, is it, a, is it a theological issue? They think that God has a problem with it. Is it a psychological issue where they have shame or guilt from the past? Is it a physical issue? They feel free to do it. They don't have any psychological issues, but they really haven't mastered the mechanics. And then I would go from there and say, it is worth it to put in the time whether it's spiritual, psychological, or physical, to keep your sex life running on all cylinders. One of the things that I love about this in marriage is that, that afterglow, when a couple is out in public, let's say they've been very private. Oh, I, look, let me give an example. Lisa and I were on a yeah. cruise one time. We shared a cabin with my daughters, and um, we had to figure out a way where we could be intimate because the daughters had key cards, and they yeah. wouldn't be around. And it was kind of funny. We left them in a restaurant. We said, you know, do not leave this restaurant. I'm like, I'll buy you this boat if you promise not to leave. I mean, <laughs> but then here's the point. It was that evening. Yeah. We're with our kids again and we like them because they're not keeping us from anything at this yeah. point. But just that wonderful knowing smile where we catch each other's eyes. Nobody knows, but we know. We had a great moment. This is special. This is just between the two of us. And I've had couples say they'll look at each other in church Sunday morning, thinking about what they did Saturday night, yeah. or they'll be at a family reunion. Maybe they had great sex on a Saturday morning. They're at a potluck that evening. They yes. just kind of look at each other. If these people only knew. It's just, it's a really fun yes. part of marriage because it's so sacred yes. and private. You hold this together. Nobody else knows. And it just does wonderful things for the yes. relationship. So yes. that's why I would say, do the psychological work, the relational work, the spiritual work, and the physical work. I should have mentioned relational in there. We didn't have time because yeah. you said one to two minutes, and I've probably gone five to six. But that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> Their cup of coffee would be empty and cold by the time I got done. <laughs> and I know that they'd be better for it, by the way, too. So, um, man, well, I, I, I love it. Again, I want to say thank you um, so much. I just want to affirm your message, too, because I, I know for my own life, um, my sex life has has, has grown dramatically as we have went along in our marriage. We've been married for 15 years and I feel like 15 years into my marriage, I'm having the best sex life that I've ever had. Um, and, and I'm just expecting it to continue to get better. But a lot of it has come with us embracing freedom, us embracing the pleasure, us embracing the sacredness, everything that you're talking about. And so if you're watching this and listening to this, I want to encourage you go to Amazon, get this book, buy it. It's called married sex. Um, Gary Thomas, and I know that your marriage uh, will be healthier. Your kids are going to like you because you're going to be a little bit happier. Um, you know, <laughs> all these things are going to go on. You're going to go to work and you're going to be more fulfilled. Like there's so many things that our sex lives actually, you know, drive um, in, in, a, in a certain way that we don't even realize sometimes. And so I, I just want to say thank you so much 
just for being on the show today with us. Thank you just for who you are. Thank you for taking the Thank time to really study this and bring this to the world because I know it's just such a gift. And, um, and, and I know all of your writings have been just such a gift to so many marriages. Thousands and thousands of marriages have been impacted by your ministry. Um, I'm one of them again, and I want to say thank you for your time today, Gary. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Hey guys, you've been listening to The Road to Wholeness, and I want to encourage you to check out www.streamsofwholeness.com or go to joshhawk.com for more resources on how we can help you on your road to wholeness.